Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to the Power Hour with your host today, Louise Power. This show is about community matters, diversity and inclusion, a platform for women, leadership, entrepreneurship, and inspirational stories. And in the studio today, I'm honoured to have Diane Chadwick-Jones with us. She is formerly the Director of Human Performance at EP, which is Petroleum, and I, I am very, very, very honoured to have you here today. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you so much, Louise. It's great to be here, and it's you know, really cool considering that you know we met in the past face to face at a diversity and inclusion event, and it's it's brilliant actually to be able to talk with you today. Yeah, it's so good for, to be here, and it's unprecedented times. You know, we're recording, you know, from home. You know, normally this would be a, a live situation in the studio, but of course, everywhere, everybody all over the nation um, are having to diversify what it is they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, it's a very strange time. It's almost like we are living in a inside a movie set, um, watching ourselves play this play out. Um, yeah, so it's just really good to, to have you here, and it'd be really good if perhaps you could just introduce yourself. Um, a little bit about yourself and 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 your background. Oh, thank you very much. So, um, so my background is that I'm actually part Spanish, um, and I uh, I've had about a three decade uh, career in BP. I joined as a, a graduate trainee and did many different kinds of roles. Um, but what I kind of understood from working in the operations was there's just so many different complex things going on and that when things didn't go right it was really important to look at you know what was what was up beneath what what was what were the underlying issues yes. rather than jumping to blame on the person who kind of pressed the wrong button and and that's what i've been that i have been working in bp um in terms of working on leadership um and safety um for for a number of years and um, this year, I, um, I've had some health issues, and so I decided uh, to take a step back. And I'm, I'm kind of, well, semi-retired, but at the same time, I'm really interested in continuing to work in the diversity and inclusion space, um, because um, in 2015, I joined uh, the DNI um, network for um, for ethnicity in BP, uh, and started doing building my understanding, educating myself, working on advocacy, um, and that you know gave me a, a huge amount of um, energy and sense of purpose. Um, and so yeah, that's part of the reason why we're talking today is is to, to have that kind of conversation about yeah. well, you know what's the current state, what can be done. Yeah, it's it's your position at BP is such an important position. You know, all all of the different people from different cultures and different backgrounds, and I can imagine that actually your role must have taken such a different kind of turn when you know the transformation of twenty twenty happened because the world suddenly had this transformation with so many things happening in the world politically and then with us 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 having you know covid 
um, upon us as well. Have you always worked with within the um, human performance space? You know, in your career. Well, I, yeah. Well, I, I started out more in kind of the operations, the, the kind of technical side, um, and it was only about halfway in my career that I got involved in the, the more um, kind of statistics and then looking at culture. Uh, and so that, you know, that probably since about 2005. Um, and, but a lot of the learnings I took from the operations I brought into the human performance and safety culture piece. Um, you know, for example, when somebody doesn't follow a procedure, you know, the, understanding the reality of people's work is really important because then you can say, well, well, okay, you know, we, you know, these companies, these high hazard industry companies have great people. Yeah. So why is it then that they're not following this procedure? Well, there must be something else. It must be something to do with workload or that it's confusing. Um, like a recent survey of air traffic controllers showed that in fact a significant percentage of air traffic controllers said that there were times where they couldn't follow the procedures, but then they explained why. That it was, you know, that they were in a, a really unusual weather condition or that there was a, a, an ex loads and loads more planes, um, or that there was a, a procedure that they rarely ever used. Right. That, 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 and that's then the reason why they didn't follow the procedure. So it's, it's really important not to jump to blame, because if we jump to blame, we never find out why somebody did what they did. Because if we say, oh, well, we're going to send you know, uh, Rachel home, you know, rather than say, well, why did Rachel do this? Because perhaps, you know, you know, anybody else under that set of circumstances would have done a similar thing. So there's a, there's a huge difference between how we think things are and the reality of how they are. There's a kind of like theoretical yeah. practice. I, I, I really like that. And it's made me think a lot about my career, just things in life, really. And it's really made me think, actually... Most people don't want to not follow procedure. Exactly. Yeah, most people adhere to rules and policies and procedures. They want to do the right thing. Um, and it's mostly, mainly something that triggers that, why people tend to think, well, there's a can't there, you know, and maybe they can't have a conversation about it. There's a reason. I quite like that work, and I think it's really interesting. You must have come a lot come across a lot of interesting things in terms of 2020 stroke 2021 the transition and transformation of our lives this you know changing so drastically was there anything you feel feel that you may have learned within your um role that has been quite impacting you know maybe with the people that you managed in terms of that sort of like transition and transformation in that people space, um, yeah. because of the our COVID nineteen society. Yeah, well, I, I think it it's been such a huge change for people that, in fact, I myself personally was affected by the change. So, I you know, in the first lockdown, um, I I just felt totally overwhelmed. I, I, I and, and in fact. It got to a point where I felt quite frozen, you know, because I was just worrying so much. 
And my colleagues kind of thought I was really busy because something that would normally take me about 10 minutes would take me about an hour. And so they, they just thought I was really busy. And I thought, oh, God, you know, and they're going, oh, Diane, really busy. And I was thinking, going to gonna have to fess up. So I, I managed to go gather the strength to actually tell two of my colleagues that, you know, hey, I'm having a hard time here. I feel overwhelmed. I feel I can't cope. And, you know, but I know the most difficult thing is to actually tell somebody because then you've got this feeling of vulnerability. But, but you know, when, when I told my colleagues, they, I just felt so supported. And, 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 I, and they said, well, you know, how about if you just do the small things you can do? Um, but just even telling somebody felt like a whole bunch of weight was taken off my shoulders, right? And... Then I started, so I thought, well, maybe I should tell some other people then. I should tell more people about it. <laughs> so people said to me, well, actually, I feel the same way. I feel totally overwhelmed. It just takes me longer to do everything. You know, my mind is full of worry. You know, I can't sleep. You know, how, you know, but really basic things like, you know, I'm really worried about my parents. I'm really worried about my kids. I'm really worried about, you know, how do we get food, which is, you know, the, the similar situation we are right yeah. now at the moment. Um, and so, and, and so I thought that, you know, these, these kind of two learnings for me were, you know, one, it's really important to speak up about my vulnerability, you know, understanding that, um, that every, the, ev everyone has mental health issues, right? And if it's not me, it's going to be somebody I know. Um, and, th and then secondly, it's actually to check in on people. It's really important to check in on people because, because they'll probably say, oh, I'm okay. Um, and then, and then the answer is, oh, not fine. The answer is, are you really okay? okay. Because that kind of it, it opens up the door to more conversation. Because usually people it, it just it's so difficult to actually kind of show me, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It, it there's a saying isn't there check in on your strong friends and i think the reason why that saying was created was because you know people especially people that always say they're fine or look fine well actually you know i know for the most part like you said something that would take you 10 minutes is taking you an hour and it's commendable that you was able to say guys gonna kind of confess here due to covid and the way that I'm feeling personally and personally been impacted by it. I'm just not getting as much done. I'm just not feeling as productive. And that's okay because we've just been hit by a global pandemic, unprecedented, never been through it before, never managed a team in COVID, never had to manage our own personal lives in COVID. Yeah. And it's okay not to be okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's, and I mean, we have to understand we're in the middle of a mental health crisis. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, and that everyone is affected because it's such such a big change. And, and there's actually this thing called a, a change curve. It's called the Kubler-Ross change curve, right? Hold on. Say that. Say that. Say that again. Just a little bit closer Kubler -Ross. to the mic. Okay. Kubler-Ross change curve. And yes. So it starts with. You know, kind of shock and denial and then anger and then 
you know, a kind of deep depression. So you can't go into a deep depression. And then little by little, there's a bit of acceptance. And then, and then it moves towards hope. And I, yeah. I think for, for us, because we keep on going into the lockdowns, we keep on going into it over and over again. But the important yeah. things to understand is that it is a curve and that, it, that we will come out of this. And that's you know, this feeling of hope that I think a lot of us have um, or, that, or that we can communicate to other people is really important because, you know, we know that in, in two years from now or, or for however long that things are going to be really so much better because there, there is the light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine, but also the different treatments and you know, more as time goes by, we know more and more uh, about, about COVID and how, and how to protect ourselves from it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As time goes by, we'll become a little bit more resilient. Like I guess some of us are now in 2021, a little bit more resilient than when we heard about it in 2020. I was the same, you know, I remember the first few days of announcement of the lockdown, which was national, but much more stringent, as I remember. If I remember rightly, it was a bit more stringent than what we've got now. Looking outside, silence. Yeah. Shops, silent. There was an airiness, and I was a bit scared. I was a bit scared, like in the house with Giovanni, single mother, and I remember thinking, it was like doomsday. Yeah. I was thinking... Is this what it's like when they're waiting for, you know, in the middle of the war? Because it was just, you're waiting for something to happen. We're not quite not sure what's going to happen. This invisible gloom upon us. Um, but certainly, definitely more resilient towards it now because we've had to all go through this year together, finding our, our footing and, you know, where our place is with all of this. And, and it's okay, I think, what you were saying about with mental health to accept that, we things may change we may need to adjust our lives our jobs completely just to fit in and feel some sort of comfortability in, in what it is that's, that's happening in the world at the moment um i think probably in your line of work even more so with the fact that procedures or policies are going to mean not less you know what i mean they're going to be they're going to be the the i suppose that policies and procedures would perhaps be null and void to some extent right but not, not null and void but they'll still be important but depending on what the procedures are would they mean something completely different because now we're in this situation yeah. for example i get i get you so so for example um uh, international travel, yeah, the kind of procedures and policies that companies would have for that, totally different, right? So, so kind of like a, a, to a totally different world, and so that, and then redesigning that and saying, well, what's appropriate now is, is you know, it's a, it's a whole, uh, a whole new world for us, and so, yeah. And that is again yet more change for people. Um, yeah. But it's it's I think it here you know where we're at is a, a place of just you know how do we cope? How yeah. do we cope? How do we you know, because our worlds have all become so much smaller, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. What's wonderful what you're doing with 
with this is that you're actually communicating to the world to help people's worlds get bigger again. Yeah, get big. here we are all at home, kind of you know, hunkered down and uh, and not having any the kind of interaction that we would have had done before. Yes. And, and you know, people really need that because, you know, I do need to, to, to talk to my parents and to my brothers and to my, my friends to actually get, get a, a feeling of, of connection and, and moving forward. Um, so yeah, so a, lo a lot of changes, but just doing what you're doing um, and just, and in, including with social media, which is yeah. something that's, that has kind of totally taken off um, yeah. even more in the past year, I think is very helpful. Which, which, which leads me on actually after the break to start to, to find out more about your work with diversity and inclusion, the positive, positive ethnic network um, that, you, that, you, that you've been involved in. Um, and yeah, to just really start to, you know, um, open up a bit more of a conversation about that fantastic work that, that you've been doing. So do not touch that dial. You are locked into the Power Hour with Louise Power and my wonderful guest, Diane Chadwick-Jones. And um, we'll be right back after the break and we'll be speaking to Diane about um, her, her role, her formal role, uh, the, her formerly known role, and, and of course, the work that she's been doing with diversity and inclusion. So we'll be right back after the commercial break. Please don't touch that down. The new variant of COVID-19 is spreading fast. Around one in three people with COVID-19 don't have any symptoms but can still pass it on, putting people at risk of serious disease and renewing pressure on our NHS. Vaccines give clear hope for the future, but the rising infection rate requires action now. Once more, we must all stay home. If it's essential to go out, remember, wash your hands, cover your face, and make space. Stay home. Protect the NHS. Save lives. Through Minhaj Welfare Foundation, your giving saves lives. Your support has provided more than 3 million people with access to clean and safe water. Emergency relief in natural disaster and crisis-affected areas around the world. Supported orphans and needy children with a better future. This year, your help can do more. Donate your zakat, sadka, and charitable donations to any of your chosen projects. Call us now, 0300-3030-777, or visit us on minhajwelfare.org. COVID-19 remains highly contagious, and even people without symptoms can spread it. So we need to keep washing our hands when we get home. Keep wearing our face coverings on the train. Keep making space at the shops. And now we're indoors more, we should let fresh air in to help blow COVID-19 particles away. Let's keep doing all we can to protect each other and help stop the spread. Remember, hands, face, space, and let fresh air in. Minhad School of Islamic Sciences provides quality Islamic education for children aged between 5 and 15 years old. As well as teaching classical Islam, including Tajweed, Fiqh, Sira, and Akida, we endeavor to equip children with essential Islamic manners, morals, and values. Here at MSIS, our experienced teachers create an inspirational learning environment where we strive to cater for the needs of every child. For enrollment inquiries, inquire in person at Minhaj School of Islamic Sciences, Monday to Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. at 292-296 Rumford Road or email admin.edu underscore london at minhajuk.org. Waiting to become a mum. It's a funny time. 
new things to think about, new feelings, and sometimes new worries. If at any point something just doesn't feel right, we've got a simple message. Just speak to your midwife. They're ready to see you safely. And if you've got a checkup booked in, rest assured we've taken all the necessary steps to look after you and your baby. Just be sure to see us. Your NHS maternity team help us help you. Looking to get your finances in order? MR Accountants has you covered. We provide a full range of accountancy and taxation services including annual and management accounts, self-assessment tax returns, VAT, bookkeeping and payroll services. We ensure you're kept up to date with the latest legislation and our client-focused approach helps us plan your business finances from savings to investments. We are MR Accountants. Visit our website at mraccountants.com or call us on 0203 432 913 You may be in contact with more people over the holidays, so it's critical we watch out for COVID-19 symptoms. Here's Dr. Karim. Remember the signs of COVID-19, a high temperature or a sudden loss or change in your sense of smell or taste or a new continuous cough. If you have any of these, even if you are feeling okay, you must isolate at home to stop the spread and you must book a test immediately. You can book a test as normal throughout the festive season. Use the NHS COVID-19 app or go to gov.uk slash coronavirus. Stay alert. Control the virus. Save lives. Revive FM. 94.0. On the radio. On your mobile. And online. Hello and welcome back to the Power Hour with your host today, myself, Louise Power. This show is about community matters, diversity and inclusion, a platform for women, leadership, entrepreneurship and inspirational stories. And in the studio today, I have Diane Chadwick-Jones. She's formerly the Director of Human Performance at BP, and she's been with me in the studio today. With Diane has um, in, already introduced herself, but she'll, she'll do that very, very quickly for you again. And we've been speaking this morning about the transition and transformation of 2020-2021, everything that you know has, has been encompassed um, with the overarching COVID-19 pandemic on our nation and society. Um, welcome back, Diane. Thank you for joining me again. Welcome back. Thanks, Louise. <laughs> yeah. So um, you, you know, you you was telling us about about your role at BP, and we was talking about you know the 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 dread that fell upon us as a society with with COVID nineteen, um, which leads me into um, wanting to ask you a bit more about your work um, with with diversity. And inclusion, it'd be really good to hear a little, you know, um, dive deeper into it. Thanks. <laughs> so, what we, I'm sorry, I can hear more. I'm hearing quite a bit of um, feedback. feedback. Is that, do you, are you hearing it or not? I'm not hearing the feedback, but if it does bother you in, in, in any way, okay. please just remove the. That's okay. <laughs> no, yeah. fine. So, yes, yeah, so um, thanks, Louise. So, the, the point is, that um, many companies have what is called employee resource groups for, for diversity and inclusion. But what they are, in fact, is their employee advocacy groups. And so you know, many companies have them for, you know, for example, for um, women's equality, for LGBT, for racial equality, for differently abled people, you know, many different types of, of diversity and um, in BP there's 
the one related to racial equality has been now going for about 12 years. Um, and so the objective, of course, is to increase the re uh, representation of um, black, Asian and minority ethnic people um, in, in, in the company. And, um, and so I joined that group um, in 2015 um, just because um, it just felt like you know, the right thing to do. I wanted to get involved in diversity inclusion and I thought, well, um, yeah, I do kind of realize I'm white. I, I, get, I get that. Um, but, you know, if, if we only had women working for women's rights or LGBT people working for LGBT rights or um, differently abled people working for differently abled people's rights, then uh, the issue is that we're talking about, over, generally speaking, we're talking about minorities. And so unless the majority gets involved in, in talking about the, the rights of, of the minorities, then you know, it's, it's, a, it's very tough. It's a very long road. And uh, we know that this is all already a very long road. It makes it even longer. Yeah. So I, I got involved um, in, in the um, employee group, ad advocacy group, advocacy group. And I thought, God, you know, I'm going to say some really stupid things here. In fact, I'm going to say some things that are like totally inappropriate. <laughs> and and I, I said that to my colleagues. I said, look, you know, I, it, you know please forgive me. Please right. forgive me because my, my intentions are good. I'm just, you know, I just need to educate myself. I need to educate myself about you know, the, the history. I need to educate myself about you know, what, what's really going on in terms of, um, in, in terms of discrimination, um, in terms of what, what's happening in society. Because, of course, you know, every company is, a, is just a reflection of the society that we live in. And so when, when we talk about you know, racial discrimination or unfairness, you know, it's about society as a whole. It's not about a, a particular company. Um, and, I, and I did say some pretty stupid things at times, um, but my colleagues in the Positively Ethnic Network, which is what this employee resource group is called, um, were very, very supportive and went, ah, you can't say that, you can't say that. I went, oh, okay, right. And, you know, so, and they you know, taught me so many things. So um, that you know, kind of was just the start. I started working on a strategy review, um, but then got more and more involved uh, to uh, do very specific pieces of advocacy. I, I, I liked when you said you spoke about like the things that you said, but actually I know there are a lot of people that think I'd really like to be involved in um, something like the Positive Ethnic Network. I'd really like to, you know, pioneer for diversity and inclusion, but they're worried about saying what we call the wrong thing. But actually my point of view is there isn't a wrong thing actually it's just you know if you if your intentions are are are, are good and and you say something then it's you learn from the people around you that say well actually in our community you know it, that you know it's probably best to approach it like this or to say it like that um and i you know coming from being a black woman, I would much rather someone have the gumption to, you know, um, be part of the community that pioneers for change. Um, but 
than to stand back out of fear because they're worried about what they're going to say, you know. Um, so I can, and I, you know, with the work that I do, I completely get that there are people that are just so worried about, and you know, people that are listening to this, I just like to say, you know, again, it's it's much better to say something, ask to be corrected, than to not say anything at all. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of misunderstandings. Like for example, um, people might find it difficult to accept that there's such thing as white privilege. Or they may not understand wh why it is that we're talking about Black Lives Matter. People, and, and so that, that's a whole bunch of kind of education. So, for, for example, on white privilege, you know, the, you know, the, the death of George, George Floyd yeah. um, showed really clearly that um, if, if you're black and you're in your in a, a car or any any sort of difficult situation yeah. that, it, that you could you could find yourself um you know it, it treated very differently yes uh from what, what a white person would be treated like and uh, and one of my friends helped me understand this in kind of like a really day-to-day -day way so this is a, a really day-to-day -day kind of conversation here so so she said to me well you know you go to a restaurant and everything seems very nice, right? Oh, I, my friend who's black, yeah. said, you know, I go to a restaurant with my book group, mm -hmm. of which are, you know, 10 white women and me. And I go to the restaurant and everything's really nice. You know, everyone treats me really wonderfully. I go back to the same restaurant with my black friends and I'm treated in a totally different way. And so, and these are, these are unconscious things. It's not that, that the, um, the, the servers at the restaurant or the restaurant management are doing this on purpose. It's because of just so many historical and judgmental things and, and associations that, that, that they have. And so, and, and, it, and that's then, you know, when we, we talk about unfairness, um, you know, how does this then translate? Because yeah. you know, how, does, how does this translate into reality? Well, what we know is that there's a, a massive ethnicity pay gap in the UK. Mm -hmm. So, you know, according to the Office of National Statistics, um, you know, that, that pay gap, for, for example, for black people, GCSE educated is about 11%. If, if you've got A-levels, you know, you're educated to age of 18, then then the pay gap is 14%. And if you're a university educated, that pay gap is 23%. So you know, a degree does not protect black people from discrimination. Um, and, 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 you know, people say, oh, well, it's something to do with class. Well, well, let's talk about engineers then. So let's talk about um, UK engineering students. So, according to the Royal Academy of Engineering, 32% um, of our, our UK engineering uh, students are from a black or Asian background, right? Right. But only 8% are in the engineering workforce. I know. And, and the pay gap starts pretty early. So, the, in the first six months... Mm. Okay, for somebody who's black or Asian, who or minority ethnic, who's doing an engineering job, it's about five hundred pounds. And for 
for a black engineer, that gap is about £1,300 difference. So, you know, this is, this is pretty, this is really big. But I mean, it, sorry, I, don't, I, I know I'm kind of telling a, a tale of woe, but, um, but it's just really important to understand that there isn't a level playing field. Right. No, there isn't a level playing field. And, for, and for, 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 for people like me to understand that and to be able to right. talk about it and to ad- admit white privilege and to admit that yeah. there is not a meritocracy and, and to say, well, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. Then that's the, the, you know, the important thing. And I, I just one more thing, just because it's on my mind. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, when, when we talk about recruiting people, so you say, say, well, let's improve how companies recruit. Well, there's a, a study that's been repeated many times since 1990, which shows that when, when we do an experiment with CVs, yeah. right, and we have the CVs, we send out 3,000 CVs, and this is the, it's called the Oxford University GEMS study it's from Nuffield College in Oxford send out 3,200 CVs and Mm -hmm. what we we get is we have when we send them out with white names exactly the same CV right white white sounding names we get a a, a kind of a callback rate about one in four Um, when we send those out with the same CV same cover letter everything with black or Asian sounding names, we get a callback of about one in eight. So what that means is that if I send yeah. out a CV, Diane Chadwick Jones on it, I have to send four out four CVs to get a response. If I, my name is, if I put a different name, a different name, then I would have to send out eight CVs to get a response. Now that is clearly unfair and it's not kind of you know one study that's been done this has been done many times so these are the kind of things that uh the companies need to understand that it, you know that there is this that there's this kind of unconscious bias and therefore there's really important structural things that need to be done to counteract that unconscious bias yeah it's it's powerful it's very very powerful wow so, so the yeah and it's true. Like I'm just thinking about even my name, Louise Power. Um, I never really ha- had that issue because my name sounds very European. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, if I sent CVs out or if I, or some, or Louise Power, maybe when they met me, they might think, oh, okay, your your name. Um, but I have definitely come across people within my network who have told me that because of their name there's been a prejudice and they have had, they've been on the receiving end of that unconscious bias. I wanted to ask you, Diane, how old do you think you was or was there a situation where you realised your white privilege? Well, I think quite late on, actually. Yeah. I've got to say. Uh, so what I was doing was I was doing, um, I'd already you know, started working. Yeah. And I, I joined uh, a um, a mentoring program, an interviewing program in Tower Hamlets, and I was doing these mock interviews uh, for for sixteen year old girls, and it was at that point where I thought, 
haha okay so this is a, this is a really different world yeah from from where i'm i'm at and that um you know that's the that so the, you know the the girls were from many different backgrounds but what i could see was that you know you know i'd had a, you know, a lot of advantages a lot of advantages in my life and and I, and and that made me go you know, changed quite a bit because i thought wow right so you know i want to um be more inclusive i want to um for for example with my kids i want to show them different cultures and to yeah. celebrate other yeah. people's cultures because by celebrating other people's cultures you're actually respecting them rather than saying okay well you know if you're in the uk you should celebrate christmas well that's not the reality of life that you know we should be also celebrating eid and diwali and hanukkah we should all those things because you know people if we don't if we deny people their culture then we're actually you know taking away part of their heart right That's and right. so then they then they and they don't feel valued okay. so so that so i did that a lot with my kids um but it, i have to say that it, you know it was it was relatively late on but that i understood that i understood yeah because i went to uni in london yeah and it was all you know very relatively speaking ethnically diverse um but but i hadn't come across you know yeah. the reality of of okay. my privilege i think i think um you know when you and i had a conversation the other day i was i was saying to you wasn't i that people that work in the diversity space or 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 are interested in working in the diversity space one of the things that was really important to me was doing some of that work right like what you described actually going into the communities amongst people um with which the you know people are looking for solutions and understanding what they are um and you going into the community and working with the girls from tower hamlets gave you first an opportunity to see the 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 the, the in and out daily lives yeah and what was really going on i want to ask you now what are some of the things from from your um experience with you know diversity inclusion being in the positive ethnic network and also being a director at bp what are some of the uh, things that you think a senior, another senior leader at a corporate industry in within the a corporate role could benefit from hearing how they could um you know increase um or or make some positive changes around diversity inclusion from your experience oh thanks louis so i think there's and there's two separate things yes one is about how they change the company and the other one is about how they change themselves yeah so i think i think because what we know is that just ask, asking people to try harder and to discriminate less and to have less unconscious bias doesn't work okay unconscious bias training that we've been doing for the past we as i mean as i mean as a society yeah. i mean we as a society uh, have you know in the united states and in the uk and other places doesn't work you know oh you know because it's unconscious okay it's a product of our upbringings 
Uh, and so what that, that means is that from a personal point of view, for, for a se senior leader, it, it is about educating themselves, uh, understanding what does white privilege actually mean. There are so many resources out there, you know, like Emmanuel Aco's material or so, so much out there that they can educate themselves on and then say, well, okay, and I, instead of being um, kind of supportive in the background, I'm actually going to move from being an ally to an advocate. So, for example, if, if they see a microaggression, um, then, which is like, for example, I could ask you, where are you from? And you would say, from Tower Hamlets, right? But if I then ask you, Louise, where are you really from? <laughs> that is a microaggression. Yeah. And that needs to be called out. Because, yeah. So there's, and or asking people about, um, you know, their traditional marriage customs or th things like that, which are not just about asking about the wet wedding, but actually asking, well, oh, well, oh, so you're this religion, so therefore I am assuming you're going to have an arranged marriage. Or s those kind of things. Yeah. Those are all <laughs> microaggressions. So that's, you know, on the, the personal side, it's about understanding white privilege, calling out uh, microaggressions, actually um, talking with your colleagues or your team about um, ab about racial diversity all, all those, those uh, recruiting yes. when you're actually recruiting you're actually going and saying well you know we're actually looking for a diverse slate here yes. rather than um, just I'm just going to recruit somebody that's like me you know, that's, that's right. not what we're, we're going to do so that's at a personal level but then we can also talk about the um, the, the structural level of, of of a corporation. What are the kind of things that a corporation should do? And there's actually um, three things. Okay, and and all of these sound quite difficult, but they but um, but companies are doing them. And that's yeah. the important thing to know is that this is not some sort of kind of theoretical thing. This is yeah. what companies are really doing. The companies really doing. that are doing this well, this is what they're doing. The first thing is they're doing transparency. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what that means is that they're having, they're gathering data yeah. on diversity. Right? Yeah. And that means that either they're doing surveys or they're asking people to self-identify and yeah. saying, well, what is their ethnicity? Or... Yeah. A, a, and including their LGBT, yeah. what is their, what, what, what are, is their, you know, are they lesbian, gay, yeah. transit, etc. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, because with the data on transparency, then you can understand what your level of representation is. So, for example, if you're a company that's only based in London, and you've got, and we know that there's over 45% people mm -hmm. in London are black, Asian, or minority ethnic. Over 13, 13% are black in London. If, if you're a company, and let's just say you've got you know, 4,000 people, well, if your rate of your, your level of representation of black people is 3%, and your level of representation of black, Asian, minority ethnic people is 10% or 15%. Well, you yeah. know you're way off. Yeah, you're, right? You're way, you're way off the spectrum. You're way yeah. off. And so that's the point. So that's of the, you know, that's the first of the three, um, the of the three. things. And 
Thank you ever so much. We're going to go in a short commercial break. So please hold that thought <clears throat> on the three things that corporations can do when they're looking to increase their diversity and inclusion and, and you know, see how they can make improvements. We'll be right back after the commercial break. You are locked into the Power Hour with Louise Power and my guest today, Diane Chadwick-Jones. Please don't, please don't touch that dial. Through Minhaj Welfare Foundation, your giving saves lives. Your support has provided more than 3 million people with access to clean and safe water. Emergency relief in natural disaster and crisis-affected areas around the world. Supported orphans and needy children with a better future. This year, your help can do more. Donate your zakat, sadka, and charitable donations to any of your chosen projects. Call us now, 0300-3030-777 or visit us on minhajwelfare.org. COVID-19 remains highly contagious and even people without symptoms can spread it. So we need to keep washing our hands when we get to work, keep wearing our face coverings in shops, keep making space when we're out and about. Morning. And now we're indoors more, we should let fresh air in to help blow COVID-19 particles away. Let's keep doing all we can to protect each other and help stop the spread. Remember, hands, face, space, and let fresh air in. Thinking about selling or letting your home? With Maxwell Estates, you don't need to look any further. Well established with over 15 years of experience, Maxwell Estates are specialists in residential sales and lettings. We manage over 200 properties in and around Northwest London, keeping our landlords and tenants updated with all the latest laws and legislations. Based in Edgware, our experienced specialist negotiators always ensure we maximise the full potential of your property. Call us now on 0208-952-0808 for a free no-obligation quotation or visit our website www.maxwellestates.co.uk for further information. Maxwell Estates, the name you can trust. As winter approaches, here's a critical reminder of coronavirus symptoms from Dr. Gupta. The main symptoms of coronavirus are a high temperature or a new continuous cough or a sudden loss or change in your sense of smell or taste. If you have any of these, to protect yourself and others, it is critical you isolate at home, even if you don't feel too bad. And you must book a test immediately. Use the NHS COVID-19 app or go to gov.uk slash coronavirus. Stay alert. Control the virus. Save lives. The new variant of COVID-19 is spreading fast. Around one in three people with COVID-19 don't have any symptoms but can still pass it on, putting people at risk of serious disease and renewing pressure on our NHS. Vaccines give clear hope for the future, but the rising infection rate requires action now. Once more, we must all stay home. If it's essential to go out, remember, wash your hands, cover your face and make space. Stay home. Protect the NHS save lives. Looking to get your finances in order? MR Accountants has you covered. We provide a full range of accountancy and taxation services including annual and management accounts, self-assessment tax returns, VAT, bookkeeping and payroll services. We ensure you're kept up to date with the latest legislation and our client-focused approach helps us plan your business finances from savings to investments. We are MR Accountants. Visit our website at mraccountants.com or call us on 0203 432 911. 
0208-2138. Minhad School of Islamic Sciences provides quality Islamic education for children aged between 5 and 15 years old. As well as teaching classical Islam including Tajweed, Fiqh, Sirah and Aqidah, we endeavour to equip children with essential Islamic manners, morals and values. Here at MSIS, our experienced teachers create an inspirational learning environment where we strive to cater for the needs of every child. For enrolment inquiries, inquire in person at Minhaj School of Islamic Sciences, Monday to Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. at 292-296 Rumford Road or email admin.edu underscore london at minhajuk.org. Revive FM 94.0 On the radio On your mobile And online Hello and welcome back to the Power Hour With your host today, myself, Louise Power In the studio today I have Diane Chadwick-Jones Welcome back, Diane um, We were speaking about Before the commercial break We were speaking about The three things that corporations can do To improve um, the conversation in, and improve the the, the uh, internal organisation of their corporations with diversity and inclusion. And Diane was started on the first thing, which was about transparency, and then went into a break. So if you could just um, lead us back into where you were, that would be great. Thanks. So yeah, so the first thing was about the transparency of, of, of data. So understanding the current state of the, the representation um, of ethnic minority groups um, and as the writer James Baldwin said you know, the African-American writer and activist said you know not everything that is faced can be changed but nothing can be changed until it is faced so so having this data ba baseline is so important okay so that's the first one so the, the second one is around accountability so now that you, you know, have an understanding of your baseline, you're now saying, well, what is it then that we, uh, what do we aspire to in terms of representation? And so that's actually about setting out ambitions. And it's not, not targets, but ambitions of what is the level of, of representation that we're looking for. So, so for example, um, in BP's framework for action on racial injustice and you know, anybody can google this yeah. you know, it comes up straight away bp's uk framework for action on racial injustice mm -hmm. um what can be seen is that for example for senior leaders at the current level there's about 10 yeah. percent um black asian minority ethnic and the aspiration by 2025 is to have 15 percent um and also for um, the levels up to supervisor, at the moment, there's about 18% mm -hmm. um, black, Asian, and minority ethnic. And the aspiration is to have 25% by, right. by, by 2025 20, and to have an increase of 20% or more uh, uplift in black mm -hmm. representation. So that's... The you know these are the kind of things. This is real. This is this yeah. is what companies are doing. Yeah. Um, and 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 at the same time, on this accountability piece, is about publishing 
the ethnicity pay gap. Now, you yeah. remember I was talking before about the ethnicity pay gap um, of the o Office of National Statistics and showing yeah. these, these big gaps. So that's very important on a company-by-company -company basis yeah. to understand that as well. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is about talent. Yeah. Okay? So what that means is what are the recruiting mm -hmm. and retention processes like how how are they set up so for example recruitment where we would be looking we as i mean as you know companies right mm -hmm. companies would be looking to have for example on the recruitment panels the interview panels mm -hmm. representation mm -hmm. um of um black ethnic or minority yeah. uh, black asian or minority ethnic yeah. and on the candidate slates uh -huh also representation yep. and so therefore what you're we're say, we would be seeing mm -hmm. is that we we have a, 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 a rather than me just looking for somebody who's like me thinking right well i'm gonna cast my wet wet net a bit wider and what we know is that there are so many people who are qualified who are out there Okay, this is this is not about the people are there. They've always yeah, been there. This is this is not about what people. Some people talk, talk about pulling through talent, but you know, giving people opportunities, but they're not quite ready for them. That's not no. what we're talking about here. No. We're saying there is all that educated talent out there. Like you know, I was explaining from um, the Royal Academy of Engineering. We've got you know. 32% of our UK engineering students are black, Asian and minority ethnic, but only 8% are in the engineering workforce. So, wow. uh, uh, yeah, so that's, how, so that's what we're talking about is the, these recruitment processes. But then also it's about when people do join a company, we, we say, right, how do we retain um, yeah. our talent? How do, how do we not squander our talent? How do, and that involves mentoring. It involves career, um, kind of curation of the career, of the yeah. career actually yeah. kind of manage, careful career management. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, so that the, the great people that, that companies do rep recruit yeah. are, um, con continue. Yeah, the retention. People stay there and then they mentor you know other people that 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 are coming through and i think you made a fantastic point earlier about making sure that within the recruitment process um that part of unconscious bias where we tend to employ people that are like ourselves whether it's um that look like us or speak like us went to similar universities to us come from a similar area that have a certain kind of dialogue about them it's about um, breaking those unconscious biases and molds to give people an opportunity and and like you said not because we've got to meet the stats because that just isn't good enough yeah. it's because um, we know that actually there's a disparity here but there there isn't we're not lacking talent we're not lacking people that are educated and we're certainly not lacking people that are capable there, there's a reason just like the CVs you mentioned, while why that those people are not sitting in front of me, and actually, the 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 the, the 
the, the, the senior leaders who are interviewing people, sometimes, nine times out of ten, don't even anything to do with the process in between. The, 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 you know, where the CVs have been sifted about or, or, you know, they've been given what they believe is are, are people that are fit and, 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 and ready for the role. But actually, there might have been some other middle management um, process that's taken place in between where, for whatever reason, talent from black and other ethnic groups have not been, had, have, have had a chance to, to have a looking. Um, and I remember as well, as part of our interview over, over this, this hour, one of the things that you said was about minority and majority and about actually seeing it as it is and saying, let's call it as it is and make sure. And, and one of the things that popped up in my mind when you spoke about majority and my, minority was about power and, and being in a position of power because um, that's where the disparity really comes from. Um, and be in a position of influence, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you're talking about this, and it, it brings to mind, you know, what's the, you know, what's the, the greatest thing that we actually have to overcome here, and with the people with the the influence, um, and it's 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 a bit about recognizing white privilege, but but what's even more of an issue is that that many people think that we're living in a meritocracy that's the the biggest issue that we have is that you know until i went to ta to work with the 16 year old girls in town tower hamlets you know i probably thought to some extent i was living in a meritocracy <laughs> and and we know that and there's many studies done on this around meritocracy that the people who actually believe, believe that they're living in a meritocracy think that then the whole process is fair, that the yeah. whole recruitment process is fair and that we do not need to actually level the playing field by, uh, by casting our net wide for lots of different types of people. Right from different, many different backgrounds, they think, oh well, you know, the first three that I get, and I'll, and you know, they all look a bit like me, and that's all fine, and those are the best people. But I mean, there's a great video. I think it's called the um, kind of the race of life or something similar, where you look at it, and 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 they kids start at a starting point, and then uh, and, and and then they say, well, you know, uh, you know, did your parents go to university? And they just ask lots of, you know, did you get free school meals? All these different um, questions that are asked and then you see how much disadvantaging there is in society and that then people of course they overcome that um, but the, but then they kind of almost fall at the last fence because they because they don't they're not exactly like the majority and then they're, they're, they're not included so I think you know, this 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 feast around meritocracy is so important to understand because you know when we um, people go well that's that's unfair but in fact you know when you're and this is a, like an old 70s no 90s saying you know yeah. when you're accustomed to privilege you know fairness feels like oppression um, and that's wow, something. That's deep. That's yeah, deep. no. It's, it's that, in fact, I think it was in the women's rights movement that yeah. this was actually said. Um, but but it 
but you know it's it's a really important point that yeah. you know when you're accustomed to privilege fairness feels like oppression because because i think that then helps people who who believe that they're living in a meritocracy it can help them to move forward wow this this has been i've loved every minute of this interview i'm so i'm so, I'm so upset that we're coming to the end and i'm just going to be asking you now to tell people where they can contact you i've Thank you ever so much, Diane. This has been a privilege. It's been powerful. Um, yeah, the time just went far too quickly. So I'll definitely have to have you back. We'll have to run a series or something. Please tell people, <laughs> please tell people where you can be contacted. Um, very, if you could do that very, very quickly. And, and you know, what, what you're going to be doing now and where you can be contacted. Well, I think the two things I'm really interested in doing is I'm working with the Association for Black and Minority Ethnic Engineers, the AFBE. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to get involved in that, so I'm really looking forward to that. And also um, in the work that you're doing, mm -hmm. um, Louise, in changing the chemistry yes. in terms of, of, of having um, better representation um, uh, for um, non-executive directors. So those are the two things that I'm really interested in doing moving forward and how people can get in touch with me well I'm on LinkedIn yeah. so you can just ping me you know connect with I me Jones, yes well. I'm on yeah that's it so and um and you know I've got plenty of um you know widely available resources research great great stuff from Harvard Business Review that people can access um and the, the, you know show a pathway of, yeah. of how to improve um, ethnic minorities in, 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 their, in their workforces. That's brilliant. So I'd like to say again, thank you ever so much. Diane definitely will be back again. She has no choice. <laughs> and um, I'd like to thank the listeners today. Um, you can, you know, you, this show will be, um, it's, you know, it's, it's live on the radio as well as the fact it will be on the Spotify and usual online platforms. So I say be safe out there. And, um, you know, we're going for a very difficult time in society at the moment. So be safe and be well. Signing out from the Power Hour, same time, same place. 